Mr. Nix. Yes. <laughs> he just makes you feel at peace, doesn't he? Love this guy. Hey, it's Memorial Day weekend. Do you know that? So sometimes it's like, it makes you like, okay, I'm just sleepier now. You know, it's like I've, I've, sl- I've slept in too many days. And then now you got to start in Tuesdays even worse than Monday. But uh, one of the things I was thinking about um, a day or two ago, I was thinking about Memorial Day. You know, we remember people who gave up their lives for other people. And we've just been talking about that, right? That Jesus said in John 15, verse 13, no greater love can you have than this, than you lay down your life for a friend. And I just got to just thinking, sitting on it for a minute, of men and women over the years in the history of our country that have done some scary stuff and given their lives away. And I don't even know them. Um, how many of you guys here have a family member or somebody you know that, that has given their life in service to the nation? Okay. You stand up, please. I don't want to embarrass you, but I think it's, it's easier to see than just a hand. Thank you. Yeah, let's say thank you. Thank you. It, it, here, here's the idea. It is, is it's just a real thing. It's just, you know what I'm saying? It's a real thing. It's not just a movie we watch. There's people also deal with the repercussions of loss and, and pain. Um, some of you, like me, have family members that, that there were a season of a whole generation of people that are deeply effective psychologically. Just they made it back, but it's brutal. Um, so let's just take a minute. And we're going to be quiet, and I want you to pray. Whatever the Holy Spirit gives you, just for healing, gratitude, whatever it is, as we're just in this moment this weekend, let's just take a moment and do that. Okay, let's, let's go. And Lord, in these things that are larger than us, the best I know to do is put my eyes on you, Jesus, and say thank you for the sacrifice of other people that I don't even know. And Lord, would you bring wholeness, healing to families? And would you continue to help us to, what does Paul say, pray that we'll be able to peacefully go about the business of spreading the kingdom here in our country and throughout the world. Uh, we, are, we gladly admit all of this is way over our heads, Lord. It's too hard, too big. But when we don't know what to do, our eyes are on you. So Jesus, thank you for all that you've done. We entrust ourselves, we entrust our nation to you. Amen. Amen. You know, there's so many things going on in our nation, in the globe, and part of the reason is we just know more than we've ever known. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'll just say this. We're not meant to know as much as we know. Like, I know about atrocities happening in Myanmar. And the truth is, I can't handle what's going on in my city. 
You know, the day we saw these children killed in Texas, I don't know if you know, there was another story that happened in Tulsa. There was a mom got locked out of her house. The house burned down with her three kids in it. That's Tulsa. Okay, that's, that's nothing, you know. The darkness that happens in a broken world is beyond our ability to cope. And if we don't think we need Jesus Christ, the God of all the universe, to come and absorb in his own body our evil, both to say, I'm suffering with you. It's amazing that Jesus at Lazarus' tomb cried with the people because Lazarus died, even though he knew he was about to raise him from the dead. Jesus weeps with those who weep. He weeps with the brokenness and sin and pain we deal with. But Jesus is the only place that both mercy and justice can be in the same spot. So he takes on himself all the justice for the wickedness and evil that's been done. Into his own body and then turns around and said, I will offer you mercy. I'm the one judge who can pronounce the correct sentence on y'all. And I will give you mercy because I'm fulfilling justice. It, 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 the cross is a scandal, isn't it? Because it's like confusing. Because I want justice for others, but mercy for me. <laughs> you know, and The only times that I think I don't need mercy, I'm just basically a boorish prig. You know, I don't need mercy. I'm doing it all right. Can't you see? <laughs> So in the cross, we get both. A lot going on, a lot of information. That If you're in a job like mine, it, 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 everybody's like, what's your position on this? What's your position on this? I'm leaving. Or I'm staying. And, and I'll just tell you, I don't even know that much. I, I'm just saying, I, I, I'm just not smart enough to get my head around all of it. There's too much going on. But when I try to find out what is true, I've figured out that if I go to Jesus through scripture, through the witness of the church, tradition, through experience, my own engagement with him, and through reasoning, I can start to get oriented about what the world is all about. So if you're wondering, you know, uh, some people have wondered, like, why don't you guys talk more about this or that, whatever the issues are in the day? We have. But what I've realized is we have a far deeper need. We have got to know how to know Jesus and think biblically. On our own. Not for the most persuasive talking head on YouTube. Because it's just like we're ping pongs. And Paul says it in Ephesians 4. It's like we're tossed back and forth of every wind of teaching and doctrine. And so the command of Jesus to somebody in my position is really clear. It says in Ephesians 4.11, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So what we're trying to do is, is not being obtuse, not trying to ignore issues. I'm trying to actually address it in the most effective way I can possibly do to say you have got to learn to think biblically. You have to learn to do it on your own. We do it in community. But and teachers are important. That's why I'm here. But if we're only relying on teachers, we're relying on fallible people who make mistakes, and just get ready, I will disappoint you. I can tell you, I can give you phone numbers of people I've disappointed already. It's really real. That is not to be a surprise. 
Jesus is the one who doesn't let us down. Well, he will let our expectations down. Have you ever noticed that? He's not afraid to disappoint me, but he'll never fail me. Because I don't always know what's best. So when we're talking about going through scripture, if some of you haven't heard our series before about how do I know what's true, we talked about scripture being the most important thing that we have, but it's also we need the community, we need the experience of Jesus, we need to be able to use our brains to think. So we've been talking a little bit about how do we engage scripture. So a couple weeks ago we said, what is scripture? We've been talking about how to interpret it. In the upcoming weeks we're going to say, why should we read it and how do we read it? Curiously, um, okay, I'll talk about it in a second. What is the Bible? Unique written words. This is how we're defining it. Unique written words inspired by God to lead us to Jesus. That was a couple weeks ago, if you want to know what's packed behind that. Last week, we talked about how to interpret the Bible. And we talked about why do we have to interpret the Bible. You can look at last, last week's message to talk about it. But does anybody remember the two main things? Oh, gosh, I didn't know I had that automated. (laughs) Okay, what's the next one? (laughs) Context. Author's intent and context. And what do we mean by that? We mean the words of Scripture, person's trying to understand it. Author's intent is the meaning of the passage is what did the author intend to say to his original audience. What did the author intend to say to his original audience? I was really surprised last week by how many people appreciated my relationship advice. I had a number of people say that was so good for relationships. I was like, I didn't really thought about that. But there were apparently husbands and wives who were saying, my intent all along has been. <laughs> and you're not believing me. <laughs> I was like, I never even saw that coming, but that was really fun. The meaning of the passage is what the author intended to say to his original audience. The significance to us is based on that meaning. How do I apply that to me? How's that meaningful to me? It's really important because a lot of times we jump to significance without bothering to find out the meaning. And sometimes that can be really wrong. There's a really fun passage in the King James Version of Romans 8. I think it's 11. And it's King James that said, And he will quicken your mortal bodies. You know what I'm talking about? The spirit that, and there are literally traditions where they say, quickening. I'm getting quickened. I'm, tr- I'm being serious, but the truth is, quicken is the, means give life to. It's just in the 1600s when King James and those guys were making that translation, that quicken did mean give life to, not move quickly. Okay? So, so it's possible to do funny interpretations of stuff. Like, you know, metaphors are important. You shall be able to drink poison, lift snakes. Not saying that's how to do a worship service, okay? We can misinterpret these things. That, that, that happens, you know. And if you're about to, you're pulling your snake up just now and going, you're disappointed. Sorry. I'm sorry. This is not your moment. We won't even do tambourines, honestly. It's about the same. Okay. So. Does anybody remember back in the 70s and the tambourines, man? It was just making every worship leader just totally despairing at all times. Okay. So then we got to, the way we get to the author's meaning and significance, when, when you can't have a conversation with the author and say, what do you mean? 
We've got to look at the story. What just happened? What's the immediate storyline around it? And what's the bigger storyline of all of Scripture? What, what's going on with language? Like the word quicken. Is this one of those words that's like that? What was going on in the history of the time? It's really important to see that, you know, things are different. 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago than they are now, and they'll help us understand the message. And culture, what are the customs? What was normal back in that time? All of these things, for most of the scriptures, you don't have to have a really complicated way of figuring out what's going on. Although what's fun about it is the scriptures, it's amazing to me that I've been following Jesus for over 40 years, and I've yet to find the bottom of scripture. You know, I'm like, whoa, I never saw that before. It's like amazing to me, but it's because God's inspired these words. And so what I was going to do today, actually, I wasn't going to do anything today. John and Christina Free had their baby on Friday. You guys know this? Yeah. (laughs) So baby Hudson is with us. He's healthy. But I realized on Friday when I thought I was off, I saw the text. I said, I guess I am working today Um, because John was going to speak today. So what I wanted to do was just briefly go through an example on how we practice doing this. And then I was going to take you through another one. We're not going to have time to do that. But it's just just to show you this is not you don't have to be a, a, a theological genius. You just have to think a little bit. Apply yourself a little bit, and you'd be surprised what you can see and understand in Scripture. And it's so important we do that because we don't want to be the one misinterpreting and misusing Scripture. Not because we're perfectionists, but because we want to understand clearly what God's saying to us. He loves us so much. Okay, so I want to use just a deep-hearted passage. Leviticus 13, verses 1 through 3. I want you to prepare your hearts. You can close your eyes if you need to for this. I'll read it out loud and then we'll just do a quick analysis of this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when anyone has a swelling or rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin and if the hair on the sore is turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. Hallelujah. Let's just stand and worship for a moment. How many of you guys have read this passage? Wow, good job. Good job. Good job. That's, that's a bit of a shock. Have you ever read, you read this passage and said, what does that mean? And what is its significance to me, right? I've taken it to my dermatologist to kind of inform them of a few things. Yeah, Yeah, what in the world do you do with a passage like this? Why do we even need this in the Bible? And so this is, this is, you know, I'm showing this because it's fun, that we can really actually say something really profound here. So what we're going to do is say, okay, to get to the meaning and the significance... We're going to start with the story. What just happened? And so here's what you do. Look at the chunk of thought just before the passage and the chunk of thought after. So it's a complete thought. Does it make sense? Because you can kind of see it where the paragraphs are. And so I'm not going to read all of it to you. But if you look at the passage just before this, Leviticus 12 talks about what to do during childbirth. 
circumcision for the baby, if it's a boy, what to do with recovery from childbirth, and then sacrifices to offer after the recovery. Okay? Then we have our passage, which we just read. And then if you continue on with this passage, here's what it says. If the shiny spot on the skin, just, I'm telling you, just open your heart to the Lord. If the shiny spot on the skin is white, but it's not appear to be more than skin deep, and the hair in it is not turned white, the priest is to isolate the affected area of, affected person for seven days, isolate them. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them. If he sees that the sore is unchanged, it's not spread in the skin, he's to isolate them for another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them again. The sore is faded, it's not spread in the skin, the priest shall pronounce them clean, it's only a rash. They just wash their clothes and they will be clean. But if the rash does spread in their skin after they've shown themselves to the priest to be pronounced clean, they must appear before the priest again. The priest is to examine that person, and if the rash is spread in the skin, he shall pronounce them unclean. It's a defiling skin disease. When anyone has a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to the priest. The priest is to examine them. And if there's a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, <laughs> if there's raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic skin disease, and the priest should pronounce them unclean. He's not to isolate them because they are unclean. I was just thinking how fun it would be if someone just walked in, they've never heard, been to a church service. <laughs> that would be so awesome and so frightening. And then the passage goes on to talk about healing of skin disease, boils, burns, head sores, white spots, baldness with head sores, which is taking it to the next level. And here's the, here's the sentence it, it finishes with. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let the hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. And that's how the passage ends. Now, I did think this was fascinating. I didn't intend this, but I guess there's a biblical warrant for masks. We just didn't do the biblical part of everyone walking around shouting unclean. I did see plenty of people with torn clothes and unkempt hair, though, during COVID. That's, that was happening. <laughs> I thought, oh, Holy Spirit, you just lead us into all truth. <laughs> right? But I bet there's someone on the internet who's proven that masks are biblical from this, right? Okay, so that we just looked, then what, what just happened just before and after the passage. So in this particular passage, what, what, what seems like it's going on right now? A lot of disease, communicable diseases, pimples, okay, yes. Yeah, hygiene, uh, interestingly enough, we just talked about babies being born and what to do, and then we talked about skin stuff, so it appears we're talking about some health issues, right? That's at least from our immediate context. So then if we pan further out, what's the bigger story? You know, I showed you this last week. You know, the whole story is the unique written words inspired by God to lead us to Jesus. That's the best place to interpret everything, but we don't have enough info yet to apply that. But if you look at Leviticus 13, 1 through 3, that's right about that spot there. But if we look at just the book of Leviticus, this is one of the things that I do. If I, if I, like, I don't quite understand this, what is the whole book telling me? And so if it, Leviticus works out pretty well, because if you look at the first verse, it says, the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. 
Anybody know what the tent of meeting is? It was like, is out in the desert, is the tabernacle where they'd worship God. So God's speaking to Moses from the tent of meeting. And the last sentence is, these are the commands the Lord gave Moses at Mount Sinai for the Israelites. Oh, okay. So from this context, what we know is this is a whole bunch of stuff that God's telling to Moses, to the Israelites, how to live while they're in front of Mount Sinai. Okay, starting to make a little more sense. Okay, then if we pan out a little bit further and we look at Exodus, which in history happened before that, here's how Exodus ends. It said the cloud covered the tent of meeting, which they just built, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Exodus ends. And then Leviticus starts. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. So we're starting to get some context. Oh, I see. God had shown up in the tabernacle he told Israel to build. And then he's telling them how to live on the planet that they're on. He's giving them some health stuff. We just happened to happen onto the passage about pussy sores or whatever. Then, if we pan out, and this, do I go... So we're going to look at the whole Old Testament. I don't like reread the Old Testament every time I do this, Right? But just think for a minute. Just think for a minute. Uh, the, the Bible is meant to be read over a lifetime. And so, so I know more at 50 than I did at 20. Why? Just because it's just repeatedly seeping in. Doesn't mean I've always had incredible Bible habits, but just over time, over time, I just remember more. I see more. It's, it's, the Bible's so thick and complex and beautiful that it's, it, it needs that kind of rumination over the years. And if you think about it with Old Testament, what, 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 what was happening right at the foot of Mount Sinai is, is, is God is giving Israel the law. So we saw at Mount Sinai, he's giving them the law and he's teaching them how to relate to him and how to exist in the world. And if you think about the entire Old Testament story, Israel's relationship with God is either going well or badly based on whether they're following the law. And so we start to realize, oh, Baked into that whole thing is this health stuff. All the way down to a skin sore. Interesting. Okay. So, then if we pan it all the way out to add the New Testament. And specifically just that train of idea of, of the law. It's some interesting things happen. We remember we talked about this a couple of Sundays ago. Jesus shows up. And he says, don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them. But to fulfill them. But what's weird is I don't go to get my skin diseases checked out by my pastor. Is there something wrong with? Am I doing something wrong? Okay. I don't know. I mean, if you guys like, maybe. Listen, I do not want to know about your skin diseases. (laughs) I am the guy, if I were a healthcare giver, I would be, I would be dry heaving all day. Like, (laughs) No, you're going to be fine. I'll be back in a second. (laughs) Here's a fascinating story. So Jesus, after he gave the Sermon on the Mount, comes down from the mountainside. Large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, 
and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now think about this story for a second. First of all, we saw at the very end of that passage that everybody who has a skin disease that's not resolved has to walk around saying unclean. This guy shows up, large crowds following Jesus, and I bet they were parting like the Red Sea as this guy with leprosy is covered in this skin disease. And then Jesus, he says, if you're willing, you, 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 can, you can clean cleanse me. Well, we just read, and if you read more of the passage, if you touch someone with a skin disease, you're unclean. And you have to be outside of the camp for seven days. And Jesus goes right up and touches him. He says, be clean, and heals the dude. And then have you ever wondered why Jesus said, don't tell anybody, go show yourself to the priest. He's upholding the law. Isn't that wild? And then if we start to back even further, once Jesus has died and resurrected, Hebrews tells us that Jesus goes into the true tabernacle. That the the tabernacle on the earth was just a shadow and copy and he takes his blood there and he's the priest. So the reason we don't have (laughs) priests we show our, our wounds to is Jesus is the culmination of the law. He's our priest. And all of a sudden, we're starting to get this bigger context. Does this make sense? It's kind of fun, right? So, then we say, is, is, there, is there any language we saw in this passage that was confusing? Now, in this one, I, I don't think there was, I mean, that many things. But one of the things I found, and this is just what's beautiful about living in our modern day, is on your phone, you can access pretty much all the English translations. So what I'll do is I'll just flip to another translation to see if it looks different. I love the New English translation for its study notes. I, it didn't come out very well, but I see all the red numbers. That those The translators offered notes on every single one of those things where you see numbers. And you just click on it and go, oh, this is why they translated it like this. The, the best one I thought was number 13. We said, just notice that the way the, the verbiage is, Unclean means everybody's going to be put outside the camp, which is good to know because then when I interpret Matthew 8, I realize that guy's, he's, he's an outcast. Following? Okay. So just look at different translations if you're not sure. Uh, genre, like, is it, is it a story? That's what narrative is. Is it poetry? Is, is, is Moses giving the law as, it's a poem and it's just thinking about the beauty of skin disease. Or just to think about it metaphorically, right? Um, or is it prose discourse, which just means, you know, just regular writing. This one happens to be prose discourse. It's the law. Okay, I'm moving fast, I know. What was going on in the world? It's super important to know our historical context for this passage. Why? Why in the world would anybody take their skin sores to their priest? How weird is that? Did Blue Cross Blue Shield exist? During Moses' day. No, did, did, the, did any modern medicine exist? The, it, it was just a totally different world. And think about this for a second. There are slaves who've been just dumped on for 400 years, and now they're out in the wilderness. And God's saying, i got to teach these guys how to hit. you got a skin sore, man. I was just gonna about to say something gross, but I'm just 50 now, and I have to be mature, but... All right. In culture, what, what was considered normal? In ancient culture, there's no separation from like science and religion. 
Does that make sense? You, 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 of, course, of course the pastor, the priest, would be somebody you take a, a physical issue to. Because there's no separation between the seen and the unseen in that world. Okay? So what we've got to be careful is we're not going to impose on us. Yeah, that Israelites are weird. They never did used health care. And they just were kind of this cult that just, you know, just went to their priests for their problems. Okay, there was no health care. All right. So what's the payoff for all this? What was the author's intended message to his original audience? When we get back to this 13, 1 through 3, what do you think the original message was? (laughs) Yeah. The intended message was actually, verse 9 you can see is pretty easy, in that if you have a skin disease, go to the priest. I think that actually is the meaning of it. So there you go. Another way you could say it, meaning whenever ancient Israel, this is starting to think, whenever ancient Israelites had something wrong with their skin, they were supposed to go to the priest and he'd help them determine what to do. That's the meaning. Everybody follow me, right? So that, that what Moses was intending to say to the Israelites standing in front of them you guys have a skin disease, go to the priest. But now this is the payoff for us. What does it mean to me? What's the significance? How can I take Leviticus 13, 1 through 3 and live it out? <laughs> Shane, thank you for raising your hand. <laughs> I like this. He said, if you've got a problem, take it to God. That's not too bad, is it? See, and where significance goes, significance, it, it, that's where it starts to get broad. It gets personal. See, there's only one meaning, really, but our significance can really, we can bring our life experience into it. And so one of the things I thought was, how cool that God cared deeply about his people and met them right where they were in their language, culture, and history. He didn't say, you dummies, in about 2,000 years, this won't even, there'll be a bomb for it. What was the, you know, the sign flower? You should never use a bomb. You know, they work like magic. But God cares about his people enough that he wanted to take care of them physically, but he did it in their culture, their time, their moment in history. It's one of the things I noticed. Anybody else notice something else that sticks out as significant to you? Shane said, if you've got a problem, go to God. You've pulled it even further back. That's great. God's smarter than me. That's cool. God cares for the small things. God has a protocol for the needs we have in our life. Elder Emeritus Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Lout telling us. Okay. Community is important. How about that, right? Those that have need are touched by Jesus. Yeah, if we pull the, the broader context of Jesus really reinterpreting the law, right? Saying, you can come to me and I'll actually fix you. I'm just not going to tell you you're going to be on the outside of the camp. My heavenly priest has made me clean. Zingy. 
God cares about bodies, says the medical doctor. Thank you. Yeah, okay, that's all. Let's stand. Uh, I was going to take you to another passage. We're not going to do that. We don't have time to do that. So let's stand. Listen, if I go longer, my, I'm gonna, I, have to, I have to deal with my wife. She's like, this is way too long. I'm working with the kids. It's Memorial Day weekend. Okay, so what are the two things we look at to interpret the Bible? Oh, I need, I need it more unified than that. Oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. That's so good. Guys, now I'm serious. This is a big deal. You are empowered. You can think and you can learn what's true. You don't have to have the YouTube guys or even me. I'm just like a few steps ahead of you doing the same thing, asking God, will you speak to me through your scriptures? You can hear God. Yay? Good. So Lord, give us the hunger to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Memorial Day weekend.